Welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton, your host. I am doing a very quick intro here. Uh, we are actually recording this um, just within uh, a day of the protests in the UK at St. Hill being done. I will probably skip the queue and put this up uh, as, as soon as possible because I want people to get this information out hot off the press. Um, so we'll maybe do a special edition of my podcast for this. Um, so that all being out of the way. Hi, guys. I have Apostate Alex and uh, Jeff Beaumont, uh, PTS for Life, uh, who is a Canadian uh, ex-Scientology YouTuber who flew to the UK. Uh, hi, guys. Welcome to my show. How's it going, Chris? Thanks for having us. I am pumped. I am really pumped. I, I think I'm a little more pumped than you guys are right now, just because you guys have probably a bit exhausted after three days of uh, and probably not a lot of sleep, I'm imagining. Uh, you guys probably were were quite uh, adrenaline all weekend. Oh, yeah. I, and, uh, and our voices too. My voice is definitely gone. So please bear with me. Yeah. And if I, if I cough a little bit, I apologize. Yeah. Not oh. a problem. Not a problem. Um, but I'm really excited to be, um, to be one of the first to talk to you guys after this whole thing. Uh, of course, we talked with Tony and Alex uh, on Friday after the first day, had a nice uh, live stream with that. But I wanted to, um, I have so many questions. So I guess I first want to say though, um, I'm a little surprised and, um, I'm, uh, I don't want to be negative. I want to be positive. So I'm going to say, I wish there were more voices talking about this, uh, from this weekend in the SPTV world, because this was front and center news. This is very exciting. What you guys put together, uh, what you started, Alex, what you helped with Jeff, what all of the people who organized this thing, and I'm sure there were a lot, um, it's, it's impressive. It's awe inspiring. Even, you know, it's really like, um, I'm so proud of you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank you. And, and I know that expression comes from a place of sometimes assumed superiority or something. I don't mean that at all. No, I, no, I, not at all. I, if anything, I admire what you have done um, because it was exactly precisely the way I have said protests should go from day one. Mm -hmm. I've been talking about this for years in response to people who do maybe more antagonistic style protesting. Mm -hmm. I've, I've said that's not so great. What you guys did was perfect. <laughs> your signage was beautiful. We couldn't shut up about it. Your, your attitude was perfect. I mean, everything about it, even, um, you know, Alex and I talking about, oh, you know, there may be some people coming who might not be so uh, sharing of that compassion and tolerance. And, and Alex was all already all over it, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, no, no, we got that under control. So I just wanted to lead with, you know, I'm, I'm just very, very happy about this entire event and what you guys did. And I wanted to, and I wanted to put that out there for you guys. Cause I think everybody should be looking at you with you know, like some like <laughs> admiration right now. Thank you. Yeah, I think that this, it was the largest anti-Scientology protest in 15 years here in the UK. Uh, the Anonymous Movement was the last time they gathered a crowd of that size. We had 46 people there on the Friday. It was also the first time, as I understand it, in history, 
that there has been a protest outside the IES event for all three days. Yeah. Historically, the protest has only been on the Friday and then it's been nothing for the Saturday and the Sunday. So I think there were, it's definitely a, a moment, I suppose, in, in what we did, but it's, it's also just the start, right? I think we are, for me, this was the first time I've organized a protest so there was a lot of learning and I was taking things very cautiously in many areas because I just didn't want to mess it up. I had a, a very frank conversation with the inspector of the West Sussex police who made it very clear to me that if you mess this up, he said, I will do everything in my power to make sure you can't protest again next year. So I was under a lot of pressure to make sure that we played by the rules. We did it right, because if we didn't, then that would mess it up for anyone else that wants to organize a protest outside the Scientology headquarters in the future. So I was playing it extra safe and having now done it and seeing how the whole thing operates and built really good connections with the key stakeholders, I think it now it's just, it's fueled that fire in me to have the confidence to do it bigger and better next year. And the fact that it was already the biggest we've had in 15 years is I think it's a good starting place. But for me, it's like, this is the start of a very long process and it's just going to grow and grow in terms of support from the local community and from SPTV as well. Absolutely. Great. That's great. And I, and I, I'll say, um, in response to, you know, you playing it safe or playing by the rules or whatever, I don't know why we'd want to do anything else. <laughs> I mean, no. you know, we're not, we're not trying to invade their property, antagonize them, piss them off. We're trying to do a public, you guys, right? I, I, I'm throwing we in now. This was your guys' thing. Um, I, I'm not trying to, you know. Thing. Yeah, I'm not trying to get in on this, but I just wanted to say that, um, but we, the collect, you know, protest, ex-members, right? The people who, yeah. who fight Scientology. We don't want to hurt these people. We don't want to antagonize them. We don't want to um, make, you know, put them in a headspace of hate, they're already yeah. there. We're trying to bring them out of that, you know? And so Absolutely. I thought that, you know, so I think, I think, you know, uh, painting by the numbers, staying in the lines, following the rules, those rules are there for your protection and theirs. And I think that it's wise to follow them. So I think you chose exactly the right yeah. course. I think, I think I just want to clarify on that briefly. I yeah. don't mean next time we're not going to play by the rules. Right. I mean, I allowed <laughs> things or, or I let things slip that I did that I let slip so that it didn't jeopardize us in any way. For example, they blocked the right of way. There's a public footpath. They parked cars there and put temporary structures and plants and stuff in place that meant we had to protest in a different place. Now, I had every right to kick up a fuss about that and try and get those things removed and, you know, be a bit harder with our approach on those sorts of things and enforcing of those rules. And I chose not to this time because I just didn't, I didn't want the protest to become about us nagging about these things. I wanted us to be able to do the protest and have to make some small concessions here and there so that we do it right and have a good impact. Obviously, I made the police and the relevant authorities aware of these things at the time, but I didn't pursue it and go, hey, guys, look, we need to be there. They're blocking the right of way, blah, 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 because then we become the aggressors. And so I was really keen this year not to do that. But now I have those connections and we have a community that we know are going to come back next year. That gives me the confidence of like, okay, now maybe I can pursue those little things 
between now and next year so that we're in a stronger position to make more of a stand for things like public right of way yeah. and and the way they're the Scientology are interacting with us, which I kind of let slip a little bit on purpose this weekend. Understood. Yeah. Totally understood. And, and, I, yeah, and I would say like on the note of this being the correct message to send, it means a lot to me that you took so much care and attention to ensure that everyone beforehand knew why we were here and weren't going to just go yelling, you know, F Scientology or whatever, or just Xenu or any of that stuff. Cause that doesn't, that doesn't work in, in my opinion, yep. at least my experience as an, as a Scientologist, when I was in, yep. if I would hear that, I would just instantly get a ridge and just completely stop listening. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you get angry. I and, haven't heard that. Uh, so that was important. I, I think the other, the other important thing, sorry for the use of Scientology terms, I know, I know, I'm laughing. but it's like the best way to describe it. Right. And I think that Scientologists listen to it and understand that feeling of, ah, you know, Yeah. but I think the most important thing is with the IS event, what they were planning to do was send a message of unity for Scientology. And what we wanted to do is send a message for anti-Scientology abuse um, and disconnection and all the other messages that were put out this weekend yep. that we are here we're not going anywhere and it's only getting started as Alex so eloquently puts it. Exactly. Now, Alex, you guys are definitely for real, um, you know, and I wanted to ask um, because I had, you know, I, I, you just suddenly appeared there, Jeff. Was this an <laughs> impulse thing or what? How did, no. how did this get arranged? This has been in the works for weeks okay, uh, beforehand good. and it has been extremely difficult even talking with you and other people to not let that cat out of the bag. Um, I was very fortunate to be able to have my, my ducks in a row so that I can come here. And um, there's a lot of stuff that happened in the back, in the back end, especially, um, you know, taking care of the dog and stuff with my wife and, and making sure that's all covered that we, that of course she's very supportive. Um, She and I worked out so I could be here for, the full time without having any distractions at all. So nice. I'm very fortunate to have made it here. Nice. And also things like we were extra cautious because we didn't, like I said, playing extra cautious. I didn't want to do anything that could jeopardize any of our plans. So we kept it under wraps for, for several weeks that you were coming. We didn't want them knowing that when you were, we didn't even want them knowing you were arriving, let alone yeah. when and all this sort of stuff. So I didn't, you know, I kind of leaked a few days beforehand that we've got a special guest who's going to be coming but that could have been anybody. Right. Mm. And so I didn't tell people until the day that I was going to pick up a guest from the airport, didn't say which airport. Um, and then it was a day or two later that we announced you were here. And I think that's what I mean, playing it safe is just, I didn't want to do anything that would risk, you know, it's not like they're going to stop you being able to fly here, but they could have tried to interfere somehow. And, um, you know, I was just trying to play it by the rules. And it's great that you're here. I'm really happy that you're here. And it's been lovely to kind of, meet you in person and have you here in the UK, show you around and, and also have that, like, it's a sign of support, not just for us, but for Scientology, right? The fact that when you were introducing yourself to people, you know, saying, hi, Janet Laveau, you know, I'm Jeff (laughs) from Canada, you know, my dad, it sends a message to Scientology that this isn't just me and a group of people that have watched my channel and want to support me. No, this is an international effort. This is a united group of people who want to support each other from all over the world that will come here to protest, to make their voices heard. We are 
a united connected group that are working with each other not against each other and that's like kind of a sub message that i think we sent just by you being here yeah. i think i agree and i um i, I just feel so um I wish I was there. <laughs> you have to come next year, Chris. Yes, it's always next year and the year after that yeah. and the year after that. That's right. And this was so last minute, you know, that the event was announced four weeks before it actually happened. I announced the protest the day I found out about it. For, for context, Scientology hired their private security firm three weeks before the event, right? So the whole thing from their side was very, very last minute. Mm. It therefore was last minute for us. So in terms of the logistics of getting people like yourself over, it, you know, it was either it was gonna it had to happen straight away or it wasn't gonna happen. So I was just focusing on planning the event and getting that the logistics and operations out of the way. And if people can make it over, that's great. But I think now we have time to plan ahead if people want to join us next year. If it's back to the normal weekend in October, how great would it be if everybody on SPTV was there in person? Like, can you just imagine the look on Osa's face, you know? <laughs> and we have time to plan it now. So That's what I'm talking about right there. Exactly. How awesome. Um, and not surprising at all, of course. I don't know. I mean, you... Um, Alex, we're at the class five level. Jeff, you've worked in PAC as, as well as I did. And events, they're always last minute. They're all, oh, yeah. as far as Scientology side of things goes and the planning of them and the putting them on and the organizing of them, you know, I was involved intimately with events for years at, in PAC. And the one thing that we learned after a few years, the, the only, the only mantra that I could, uh, calm people down with because everybody was so insane about events all the time because they were so chaotic is I would say, as I would tell people, well, the one thing about events that never changes is that everything changes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? Everything. <laughs> I worked on, I worked on countless class five events. My first experience with events actually was, was at PAC as a 14 year old working on the golden age of knowledge oh, right. uh, release event. Right. Right. And I obviously I don't remember much about it, but I do remember being there setting it up. Um, but I, my biggest memory of, of the last minuteness of events was, is a flag world tour. Uh, and they had no one to run the, uh, teleprompter like literally as the events about to start. And so, so me who has never run one before was okay. You're running this now. Here's how it works. It was like, Oh, okay. And it's like, that's like one of the most important things to do is to keep the steady flow of the talking. And right. I'm just like some random person doing just it. Just assign right? this job to some rando in the right before yeah. the event. And yeah. and I pulled it off because I, you know, I'm not I'm I'm fairly intelligent and I'm I'm an able person, but like that could have completely derailed the entire event. Exactly. You know, so I just it just goes to show you how they don't plan. They just ah, just go, go, go. Well, it's, it's an interesting point because as I'm sitting here thinking about this right now with a long history of events and this IAS event being a, you know, Tony and I were sort of positing that this was a we're back event. This is a mm -hmm. big deal. It's not a small thing for Miscavige and Tom Cruise to show up somewhere. Uh, so that alone makes it a big deal. But then, you know, all the big wigs come flying in. We saw the photos. Um, you guys were watching them parade past you. Um, <laughs> and... Um, it's interesting to me how the IAS of the IRS victory event in 1993 and the, um, 
the uh, this event and another one they put on that. Oh yeah, Golden Age of uh, Tech was actually pretty pretty hastily put together. Um, they were those. They were their biggest events. Yeah. And when they were trying to have their big events is when they fuck it all up, right? When they screw it all up. We had months of planning on the year 2000 event. And um, I'm sorry for all the, you know, historical minutia about Scientology events, but it's just, it, I, I can't help commenting about it because they're so bad at it. And it's interesting how their best events were the ones that were actually thrown together at the last minute like this. Uh, Making it go right. Yeah, making it go right exactly. Ugh. And I actually, think I said Golden Age of Knowledge one that I was in, uh, I, I was involved in. I met the Golden Age of Tech in '96. Right. Oh, just to yeah. clarify that. Uh, yeah, right, of course, '96. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, questions about this event. Let's get to, let's get to talking about this thing, right? Because we know Scientology events are crazy, and you know, while as as hard as you guys were working. Uh, putting on your side of this protest, you know, I'm sure there were, you know, a couple weeks of no sleep for some of those people putting on the IAS event. I'm curious, what did you see um, that we don't know about yet? Maybe I'll lead with that because <laughs> we've talked about, I watched your recaps over the weekend. You talked about the broad strokes of, you know, and all the, you know, some of the minute details of, of seeing people, interacting with people. What surprised you the most now that the whole thing is done? Let's, let me, let me re, reorient to that question. What surprised you the most during the weekend? I think for me, it was just how unprepared Scientology were for us. I think firstly, the fact that we were there all three days, they didn't expect it. Even though we've had a website up for four <laughs> weeks telling them we're going to be there all three days. They didn't expect us to be there on Saturday and Sunday. I don't think they're expecting the turnout on the Friday. I think they're expecting to be a handful of people. We showed up with 46. Um, there were less of us on Saturday and Sunday. That was by design anyway, because it's a smaller event for them. But, you know, they got more and more aggressive as the weekend went on. And I think that's because we really pissed off David Miscavige on the Friday with all of the noise and with the protests and with the traffic. So much went wrong for them on their part as well. Um, it was a major, major flap. And I think they got a, the the anger and aggression just seeped down the lines as the weekend went on, because by Sunday we had OSA operatives following us the whole day doing the typical camera recording thing that you see so often. Um, you know, literally I had a security guard that was um, attached to me for the day. Personally, if I left the group, he'd follow me. They definitely wanted to be on the attack by the Sunday and shut us down in any way they possibly can. And the Sunday was much more of a, an aggressive tactic because, for example, they opened the new qualifications building, the coal building down by the stables, which we weren't expecting. And luckily we were able to react to that and get down there. But historically, if they're expecting protesters to be there, they've put up big like uh, curtains, for example, around the perimeter because there's a really good view from the road of their event and of the new building. And when that's happened before, like the Birmingham org, they put up big curtains and stuff so that there's no view from the public um, footpath or from, from the road. And they just didn't do any of that. So when we showed up and started shouting only, what would you say, 50 feet away from 
100 50 feet, to 100 yeah 50 to 100 feet away from you know these scientologists at this event and we could hear them all clapping and cheering they could therefore hear us shouting and wow. you know doing our chants like they could have done so much to try and prevent us from impacting their event on the day and i think that was what surprised me the most was how unprepared they were and then the flap around how to deal with this on the day because <laughs> they were running around like what do we do they they were like let's play some music on the loudspeaker yeah. well as soon as one song finished we chanted until the next song started they didn't put on like a really long track that had no gaps in it like these little things like this are in just indicated major flap they weren't thinking about it unprepared and they weren't ready for us yeah. right i would agree i also liked um how supportive the security was yeah like it's just phenomenal and it's not just security but the the local residents all of now, the support let's be clear was, we're talking about private security private security yeah, yeah so there was about like, 30 New york security no 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 of course although right. we did get a few smiles from them okay um yeah just the the just the amount of support that was for us uh mm -hmm. and the amount of the amount of scientologists that reacted to us in a positive way mm -hmm. like i don't know if it's just british politeness or whatever but i was standing at the gates just waving to people saying hello i've got this massive sign and, and captain mickey wits in my you know jammed in my jacket here very clearly holding a sign you know and it's i'm clearly not a friendly person uh but they would wave and some people didn't give a thumbs up and mm -hmm. but it's like i'm used to this huge shutdown and don't look don't look don't look keep your trs in don't listen don't nothing right right but because they're i'm not giving them that same message of down with you down with you you terrible whatever mm. and i'm not being abusive at all that completely breaks down their walls and they don't know what to do with it and so that's why you know obviously that message is very important it was it was the most surprising aspect to it that I, people actually listened well yeah. you know that's what we've been talking about for years. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to say it. It's, it this Toot is that why. horn, Chris. No, I'm going to. I'm going to. I know. This is, yeah. this is why. This is exactly yeah. what we want to do. Um, so this is very exciting to me. I have to tell everybody in the audience now, Alex has used the word flap three times in a fair <laughs> Scientological way. You know, flap in, in English uh, is... Um, you know, somebody is unflappable. They're not stressed. They're not freaking out. Well, in, that's a word you would use to describe somebody, right? He's, he's flapping or he's not flapping. Well, in Scientology, they turn that into a noun to the event to it's a flap. It's an emergency. It's a stressful situation. And, um, and that's a very, very commonly used word in Scientology because there's always a flap of some kind going on. But I have some conjecture and I wanted to find out what your conjecture is as to why it was such a flap for them and why they were so unprepared. I'm guessing lack of personnel in OSA UK. Oh yeah. So for the record, um, the, the one OSA guy that I was dealing with a lot on Sunday, who was, his TRs were going out very much. Uh, and it's gonna be lovely to release that video, but it always happening. Um, but, uh, he was actually identified as a pack security guard. Um, we found him in another video, thanks to a tip from one of my viewers. Uh, they sent me a link to four years ago, him, uh, guarding the doors of the HGB building, uh, at the life exhibition there. Sorry. Is his name angel? No, his name is Different. Simon Siegel. 
Simon Siegel. Okay. Yeah. And so he's the main guy there. And he, you can see very clearly in the other video, he's wearing pack security. Um, and yeah, Got he's it. obviously American. He actually went to Delphi. Um, so he is, and his dad is, I believe, a, one of the headmasters or executive head at Delphi in, I believe, Oregon. Huh. Interesting. It's not unheard of that they would fly pack security out to the UK or to various places where Miscavige has, is, more, probably more precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he took some PAC security personnel around with him, like the security chief, from time to time as part of his security entourage. But I'm, I'm, I have no idea if that's why this guy was there. That's yeah, interesting. Huh. I think it, it was in answer to your question about why it was such a major flap, I think... Yeah. It was very clearly people like this were there, which meant it was a major deal. It's not like it was just, you know, OSA UK running the show. I mean, David Miscavige is there. It's always going to be extra people imported from all over the world, you know, senior officials trying to run the show and kind of overstep the mark on OSA UK's perspective because they're like, look, we, We've got to protect Miscavige, and this is an international event, so OSA Intel running it, and OSA UK are supporting. And that's what we saw. You know, the UK OSA people who were, they were both basically on the gate most of the day dealing with the police and being there for the protest for us. Okay. And the rest of OSA would have been back of house running the show internally, looking after Miscavige. And on the Sunday, that's when we saw a lot more of the American OSA people and the higher ups you know the saint hill security chief was Mm. there with us on a sunday physically pushing us into the road into moving traffic they were a lot more aggressive and i think the question was why do i think it was major flap i think it's because friday janet laveau who's the head of the church here in the uk she's a managing director of the church scientology religious education college incorporated which is the uk business that it runs through um she used to be the head of osa in the uk now she is in in charge of the whole church she was there on the friday on the gate and there was a moment where she was getting irate she was really really angry because there were 46 people right by the gate there was (laughs) loads of traffic every car going onto the property had to wait for a few minutes before it was allowed in and that meant that we would they were just sat sat there listening to us chanting six inches away from their window and so she was really annoyed and the security that were working for her actually asked her to go and take a minute, like, please go and like leave because you're, you're angry, take a minute and come back. Um, and I spoke to the security guy afterwards. So this is what Jeff was saying about them being really nice to us because yeah. they're private security. They just want to keep the peace. Yeah. Um, they told me the reason Janet Laveau was so angry was because David Miscavige was on the phone to her, yelling at her down the phone saying, you need to handle this. Like, why have you allowed this to happen? This protest needs to stop. So that anger has obviously rubbed off on her. And she's like, I need to get angry about this. And then she was asked to take a minute. So from the get-go, I'm like, this is clearly in David Miscavige's eyes, a major flap, right? And then it just got worse and worse for them over the weekend. The fact that there was this event happening outdoors, just yards away from the road, and it was completely disrupted by us yelling, stop the abuse, and, you know, Scientology, pip, pip, cheerio, Scientology has to go. Like, 
there is no way this wasn't a major flap. And you could see by the response of the, the swarm of OSA operatives that suddenly appeared out of nowhere and were trying to physically manhandle us. And we had to have the police step in to try and stop the, the altercation becoming too violent. When was this on Sunday? Sunday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yesterday. Okay. So, wow. So stress levels going higher and higher each progressive day. Um, and yeah, it seems though it's so, okay, here's what I find so interesting about this or one thing worth commenting on at least is we position OSA. We talk about OSA all the time because they are the ones who engage in and oversee the fair game operations. And those fair game operations are not a joke and they are not something to be taken lightly, right? They can intrude into a person's life like they're doing with Leah, Mike, Tony, et cetera. And they can really mess with you. Um, you know, just talk to giant, the Jane Doe's if you really want to know how, how bad it can get. So here's this disruptive evil organization, if you will, this evil core to Scientology that, that engages in its dirtiest work. And they can't predict how to keep 40 people away from David Miscavige in one of the most important big wig events of the year at their big we're back event where they haven't had one of these in years. They're this incompetent. They're this yeah. caught off guard. And, yes. and it's so interesting trying to reconcile these two versions of the same organization. Yeah. Right? It's really kind of interesting. Well, the funny thing is, because I've been watching their tactics for years. Yeah. Right? And I've been part of them um, over the years. Mm -hmm. And being on the other side of them, this is my first time protesting Scientology. Mm -hmm. When I went in there, I was... I was not, I wouldn't say scared, but I was nervous because mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how they were going to react. And I've seen what they can do. Mm -hmm. And obviously I haven't seen all that they can do yet. I imagine there will be more attention, mm -hmm. but going in there and taking back that power and realizing mm -hmm. that they can't do anything in public right. when there's that many cameras on them, there's police, there's security, there's nothing they can do. It's pure intimidation. And that's truly all the power they have. And, and intimidation is only in your mind, right? Like realistically, if you don't mm -hmm. give them that power and by not, by me not giving their power, I felt like it took that power back. Mm -hmm. And all it does is reinforce my drive and my motivation to do more and more and more. Right. Good. And I know they'll probably come after me. They'll certainly come after you. You are definitely number one enemy in the UK, if not, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. up there for the world right now oh no um, you, you, so, you definitely are our public enemy yeah. number one in the uk I'll and i think i might need to leave now so i'm just kidding <laughs> um but you know what yeah. the fact is i'm here i'm here with alex and i'm here with everybody um is the more voices that there are yeah speaking out the less power they have yeah yeah and that's just that's just a fact because they're losing their numbers they don't have enough personnel to deal with one major event and uh we are winning the day. I think also it shows like just how I think people have historically been really scared to speak out against Scientology because of the harassment and intimidation that they are so well known for. Yep. I don't know if it's just the UK or whether it's a sign of their diminishing size worldwide, but the fact that they weren't prepared and the fact that 
it's taken us to do like to get to this point and do so much before they start doing this typical fair game stuff, following us around with cameras like that. It took them three days of us being there on site to finally start doing that stuff. I think it's a sign that they just aren't, they don't have the resources to be able to run an event and cater to everything. David Miscarriage wants while he's there on the property, look after Tom Cruise who flew in on his helicopter also deal with all of the guests that are coming and also look after the the security of the event and the gates and then on top of that fair game the protesters that's something historically they've never had a problem doing but this event for me indicated that they just don't have that resource anymore an example with with this call library event um, building opening they had all these little there were little areas along the road where there were gaps in the trees where you could see really clearly from the road so they did the typical thing you see all the time of getting people with big you know golf umbrellas standing there to block <laughs> the view and i was laughing and i was saying guys i feel really bad for you because you've been told to sit here or stand here all day to obstruct our view and I'm defeating you with a simple selfie stick. I'm putting my camera on a stick and just holding it above the umbrellas. Like you are doing nothing here. You are just, it's pointless. And they were laughing at that too. I think they saw the humorous side, but it's like that just indicates that they don't have the resources to plan for these things and then implement something to block it from happening. Um, It shows how small and how struggling Scientology is. And I think going back to what you were saying about that being an empowering thing, I think this is just, it should empower other people to speak out because it shows now is it's more safe to come out and share your story and speak out about the church because they're struggling to deal with a handful of people outside St. Hill. They're not going to come after someone who just shares their story on YouTube or writes a book or something. You have to be high up on the list for them to come after you. So I hope that encourages other people and reassures them that they are, they're shrinking and so is their power. Yeah, big time. I uh, I want to I want to amplify that message, uh, you know, three thousand times. I, I could not agree with you more about every, everything you just said there. Um, and I've been living that for the last ten years, right? I've had some shit, but I haven't had anything like, you know, the the heavy handed stuff. And and I'm and I'm okay. And I've been speaking out, and I'm still speaking out. You guys mm-hmm. are speaking out, right now. Of course, uh, Alex. <laughs> As I said on Friday in my show, right? Like you're definitely at the top of the list now. And I hope that you appreciate that that's a position of caution and uh, that paranoia is not um, paranoia. <laughs> when yeah, you're, and, you know. and I also wanted to say, I saw on your critical conversations the other day, I, I saw you do a call out and kind of say to your viewers, you know, as a community to come and support me and realize that I know what I'm doing and I know what to expect, but I'm not going to be able to do it on my own. I do need the support of the community. And I, I totally wasn't expecting that um, from, from you so publicly. And I know you've had, you sent me lots of encouraging texts and support. I know I've got your support behind the scenes, but for you to kind of amplify that publicly was, it kind of took me back a second and I just wanted to validate you, I suppose, for that and say, thank you, because um, it's true. Like without the support of the community, without Jeff, you know, without other people that were there at the protest, I wouldn't be able to be doing this and I wouldn't feel as safe in doing it. You know, I've had 
PIs out my house, outside my house already. We've had a few scary things we thought are going on that we're not sure about, but we had a physical altercation on Sunday. And we know as a matter of fact that we personally have pissed off David Miscavige. And that is never going to end in anything but attack, right? The policy is attack, 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 never defend. So I'm totally like as prepared as one can be for that. But it's a whole different ballgame being there in person and experiencing it for the first time for real. You know, when when we were being pushed into the road and this whole thing was going off, like even though I knew that that was going to happen and I was expecting it in the moment, you don't know how you're going to react. And in my brain, I was sudden there was an element where I was like, keep my TRs in and it just clicked in. I was like, do not touch me. Do not touch me. Do not touch. me. You know, and then after that kind of I realized that that's what I was doing. Um, it then became a place of anger and really shouting from that place. But I think also it was letting out like this anger that I've had inside me because I've never had a chance to come face to face with my abusers, right? Like this hasn't happened before. I've been speaking a lot about it on YouTube. We've done, I've been protesting all day, the day before, like, but this is the first time they are being physically aggressive towards me in the real world. And that just fueled me with even more fire of like, I'm not just talking here. I'm not just shouting for me. My voice, our voice is representing so many other people who are currently in Scientology, who just want someone to shout on their behalf. And for people across the world who haven't, <laughs> who, who, who haven't been able to speak out because they've not been there, they couldn't get to the UK or they don't have the confidence to go to a protest or you know, for whatever reason, like our voice is representative of many other people. And I think that just fueled me in that moment to be like, I need to shout even louder now. I don't care if it wrecks my vocal cords. This just fuels me to try harder. The more you, I think there was a point where they said, I said, the more you like push me or the more you shout at me, the louder I'm going to shout. It fueled that fire inside of me that I hadn't felt before um, in the same way, you know? And I think that's what, really took me back was like it's not just me putting on a protest it's we are representative of, of a huge proportion of people that have had their voices silenced and we here have an opportunity to share that voice on their behalf and that was just really beautiful i think for, for me I, so beautiful that's very beautifully stated alex <laughs> but actually the perfect sentiment and i could not agree with you more yeah. um I want to ask you more about this pushing match. I mean, what is this? What was this about? What happened? Can you describe the incident? Yeah. So, um, this was Sunday. This was Sunday. Well, yeah. So we were we were just me and the OSA guys were talking, and I all of a sudden I hear this a little bit of uh, rustling over in the bushes to the left. If if I could, uh, let me back up just a second, just for myself as well, because I didn't see photos of Sunday. What mm. does it look like? How many of you are there? How many of these OSA guys are there? And where are you exactly? So I gave you that bit of context before you showed up because yep. I was there first, right? Yep. So so the St. Hill property is huge. Mm-hmm. There are one, two, three. There's three main gates. There's the main gate up at the oh, top. Which is, 
there's three gates into St. Three Hill? gates. Oh, I thought there yeah. was just the one. Okay. No, no. So there's the main gate, which is where we were stationed. There's actually, for the event, there's four. There's like an, there's a, a in the field next to it, there's a temporary gate where people can, they enter and leave in vehicles, but that's not normally used. The main gate is where we were at most of the protest. Okay. A little bit further down the road is the second gate, which is the manor gate. Now that is reserved for the use of L. Ron Hubbard only, who died in 1986 but he remains the only person that's allowed to use that gate oh. apart from David Miscavige as far as I'm aware but that goes directly like you open the gates and it's literally just there by the manor whereas the other gate kind of loops around and takes you in front of the castle and then the manor is just past that so okay. main gate manor gate and then round the corner there's an area called St Hill Green which is a tiny little patch of land with a couple of houses and an area that's known as the stables this is right at the bottom of the property. It's right near the lake that Mike Rinder got thrown in. Um, it's like a bit of a walk from the stables to anywhere else in the property. Yep. The stables is where they built this new qualifications building um, that opened in 2019, um, but they haven't actually done an, an opening launch event yet. So when we were coming in in the morning, I noticed the big ribbon and the rosette and the, the ribbons and stuff that you see at an ideal org opening. And I was like, they're opening the qual building because I knew that that was there. I knew it opened and I hadn't seen an opening event and it just clicked into place. And so once we set up at the main gate, I was like, I'm going to go for a wander. I just went on my own with one other person. So, I, you know, so it was just the two of us um, went down and wandered down just to see what was going on. And it was then that the event was starting. And I was like, oh, my God, we have an opportunity here because they put a couple of buses and cars and stuff blocking the entrance so that the view was restricted. But like I said, you can defeat that with a stick. Right. And they had these guys <laughs> with, the, with brollies. So. I was like, this is my chance. So I'm just, I'm just going to start shouting and shouting and shouting. And Janet Laveau, who was standing there at the time, turned around and she could, you, I could see the look on her face. It was very close. She was angry. She was thinking, what on earth is this guy doing here again? And how does he know this is happening? And what a flap because half of the audience turned around and saw me with my sign yelling, the abuse has to stop. There were about 150, 200 people there. Just out, like it was, you know, what was it? A hundred feet? Or yeah, like maybe a hundred feet. And so I was like, guys, as soon as I got their attention, they started chanting and chanting. And then we got this swarm of Oster agents show up. That's when I was trying to get a hold of you and the other protesters saying, come down. Like, this is where we need to be right now. Right. Um, and then you showed up. Yeah. And then so I started to engage with the Osa people. Mm -hmm. um, and you were kind of to my right. About how many Osa people? So there was uh, Simon, who is a Luca. Luca, who's the head. Luca is security. security for St. Hill. Yeah. Then there was who, who told me he is private security and Sea Org member. Yeah. He's both. <laughs> wow. Which, uh, so I said, okay, so you're Sea Org. What department? Oh, I'm everywhere. I'm like, yeah, you're with an org. Anyway, yeah. um, there was another lady who we didn't actually converse with, with a brunette lady. There was a gentleman sitting in a car, which was like a Jeep Cherokee kind of thing that was playing music loud so he can try and drown us out. Um, and then there was a couple more that weren't really engaging. But the two main guys are Simon and Luca. Um, and then so I was talking with both of them. Just, just, just for context, when I showed up, there was like 
two people there, yeah. right? <laughs> Started yelling. You showed up, and within moments, there were like what eight, six, eight people, yeah. and that very quickly escalated to ten. And then the police caught, like came down because Osa had obviously called the police, and they came with a van with backup. Like there were <laughs> six police officers there at one point, and then they realised it's not too much. Two of them went off, and there were four of them there. Like it was, it was very quickly escalating in the moment. Yeah, and I had already gone on to this property that they said were pro- was private property twice mm. in this little engagement. And then I'm talking with them and Alex is to my right. And all of a sudden the, um, Luca, the, the guy who's chief security bolts off towards him. And I look over and I see this, uh, Steven and you up on the green green in front of the grand Cherokee, which is close to the, the closest view, view you can get. This and they're Stephen being... Jones, by the way, the oh, yeah. former Jones. British guy. He's been speaking out for years. He knows the property really well. He'd made it down there as well at this point. But yeah, yeah sorry. I um, so I look over and all of a sudden they're being shoved by Luca towards the road, um, telling him it's private property. And then Stephen Jones and Alex are saying, no, it's not. No, it's not. Um, and then Luca shoves Stephen into the road as like a one ton truck comes by very close. And if he had like, tripped as he came off the curb onto the road Mm. he would have been smoked by this truck like 100 and the police officers just standing there watching this all happen physically touching in in the uk it'd be called common assault Mm. right obviously there's no no charges being pressed because we're not petty people um uh, scientology would have had us arrested had we done that yes they would um so then stephen jones is fighting back against it saying no 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 this is this is public land Alex gets gets in there and starts being shoved by Luca and the other guy as well. And then Stephen Jones, in a a brilliant move of um, brotherhood with Alex, steps in front of Luca to stop him from shoving Alex, like protecting him from being assaulted by Alex, which was a beautiful moment. Um, and very un-SP like, by the way. Ah, uh, mm, you know, like mm. absolute support for someone who is just you know, trying to do the right thing. Mm. And then eventually the police said, please get off, please get off and let's talk about it. But it was just pure assault. And the fact is I had been on there not five minutes earlier. No, no problem with that at all. I was very in clear, in clear view of everybody. Alex had been there. It's not their property. And then we're trying to say, we have maps, we have maps. And anyway, it was a, I get it. Yeah. Big incident. For me, it it was just like, it was such a show of, brotherhood was such a good word because mm. this is why I'm getting so emotional. I'm sorry. Um, because like I didn't, at the time I didn't even realize that Steve, it wasn't until I watched the video back and it was so clear that Stephen actively stood in front of me and started pushing them back so that he, I didn't get pushed into the road. And at the time I didn't realize that was happening. Watching it back. It's so clear that that's what he did. And brotherhood is such a good word because I think that's one of the key takeaways for me personally was this shouting on behalf of other people. And like, you know, I'm, I have an opportunity here to speak when other people don't have that opportunity. So I'm going to do the best I can, but also we've got each other's backs. Like it's not in a culty way or a gang-like way. It's like, no, we are all a group that understand how this group operate and we've all been harmed by this group and we want to support each other in every way like humanly possible and it's not like Stephen 
watching the video was standing there thinking about it. Like it was just an instinct reaction of like, my buddy's getting pushed. I'm standing here. I'm like, and I think that it was a real takeaway for me of like, we are all so close and, you know, the sign on our shirt united against Scientology. That's what I really, really mean. We are united and it's not just a, Hey, I support you. I support you. No, like we are brothers, right. And, and sisters. And, you know, this is, that's how tight this group is. And it's things like that, that send the message to Scientology. I wanted to send. Yes. There's the signs and the chants and all of this that I, you know, that's important, but just by witnessing our behavior, we sent a sign that we are a group of people united against you and we are with each other and we are a tighter group than any Scientology group. Yeah. Right. Well, it's 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 uh, clearly because you're trying to help, and they believe they're trying to help. But in moments like that, especially and and the stress of the Sea Org life, I mean, uh, one wonders, you know, how much uh, whether Miscavige was shoving Luca around, uh, you know, uh, off camera, right, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a world that is right. We know, we know this. We're not, we, you know, this is why we're protesting, right? Why we speak out is because we know that these people are not operating with compassion and tolerance and understanding towards each other. We, we, I mean, we definitely know that. And the world at large is learning that. And so they, they demonstrate that, you know, in these things. And you could say, well, protests, everybody gets all stressed out and tensions run high. Yeah, but there's no excuse to be pushing people out in front of car- traffic. That's murderous. That's that's really not okay. Like that's, that's crossing lines that, thank God nothing bad happened or literally, you know, Scientology, talk about a flap. If a Scientologist like hurt or killed somebody, a yeah. protester, holy cow, right? So, um, so they really don't even get how destructive their own inner destruction, you know, their their whole attitude is, you know. And and yeah. and I and I and I really appreciate you going on a roll just now, highlighting how this is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. One thing that's funny that um, is Matthew Pritchard. He's one of the protesters who joined us. He's a beautiful, beautiful person. Um, he was trying to actually communicate with the ninja guy who who was uh, the Osa guy who was silent and just completely. Re- we, he, 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 he was my first cam back, which was so lovely. <laughs> he was he had like a mask on yeah. the whole day. All you could see is his eyes. He was a hood, hood all, all black. black. Looked like a ninja. Yeah. And he was just the whole day, everywhere we went, it was like this. Yeah. And, and so anyway, the, I introduced myself by walking up to him and, and, and doing a cam back with him. Cause it, it's been a dream of mine for a while now, <laughs> I, I, but anyway, that's beside the point. It's a rite of passage. Um, but you know, so Matthew was, was yelling to him, um, about ARC. Now, Matthew was not a big Scientologist. I think he did some courses and that's it, mm-hmm. but he understands what Scientology and he's read books. And he was yelling, I have affinity for you. We have a reality on Scientology. Now let's communicate so we can come to an understanding. Like, nice. And I just think like that just shows the level of how we're changing. Mm. Back in the day with the anonymous movement, everyone was hiding um, their faces for fear of retribution, which I totally understand. Also is a symbol of solitude and et cetera. Yep. But now we have the chance to unite in that same way with our faces and our voices so that we can just actually become true friends and brothers and sisters and fight against this 
um, with way more power, in my opinion. Yeah. And these types of movements, I think, have been the, the most valuable towards Scientology, the ones where people get together. Mm-hmm. And it's not just random protests happening, um, you know, here and there or one or two people, but larger groups. I yep. think that really yep. creates a much bigger effect. I do, too. I do, too. In fact, I, I will absolutely uh, uh, reinforce that. I'll also uh, say that I could not agree with you more about the maskless protest. Now, there's no yeah. hit on Anonymous. I totally get it. I understand. And the Guy Fox masks have, a sol- you know, as you said, solidarity and unity and and messaging. And, and there is a whole reason for that. And that can go back to Alan Moore and movies and and all of that. Um and so that's got its thing. But there's a point you just made about Scientologists and former Scientologists standing up loud and proud with their faces out. And I've been saying this since the day I, I took my mask off, right? Because I started posting anonymously in 2013 on Mike Rinder's blog. And then in 2014, after I was declared, it was like, well, fuck this. And, and, and here we go. <laughs> um, and there was a big difference in how I felt about that. And there was also a big difference in realizing that there is an empowerment to not playing Osa's game with Osa's rules of we're going to hide and, you know, we're going to make you play whack-a-mole to figure out who I am and all that. Because they are going to figure it out. They don't have anything else to do all day but figure that shit out. You got a life, right? You got you got things you got to do. So there's really no reason to do all of that. And, and so I think, um, in the, um, in the protesting space or sphere, right. Activity, it's the same thing. I think it's more substantial. I think it means more that you guys are out there unmasked, you know, uh, proudly saying who you are, why you're doing what you're doing and what this is all about. I think it makes for a stronger protest. I agree. I think, there's there's two things I just want to say on that briefly. And, and first is there are people who contacted me on the days of the protest. You know, they came up to me and kind of were on the sly and didn't want to get noticed. And people, for example, saying, you know, I live across the road and I can't stand what Scientology are doing, but I have to remain kind of, you know, semi decent with them because you don't want to piss off your neighbors right so i can't be there to protest but i wish i could be Mm -hmm. and for that there's a power for us in we're representing those people but also those sorts of people they can't come and protest with no mask on if they want to protest they would have to conceal their identity because it would be very easy for that relationship to cause massive disruption to that person's personal life whereas for us you know, it's it's more of an effort for the church to have to come and do that because of we don't live opposite, you know, the opposite side of the road. So there's I think there's a benefit in people coming with masks on. You know, there are people, for example, who have family members that are still in who might want to come and have their voice heard and take part, but conceal their identity so that it doesn't jeopardize that personal relationship. So I don't want this conversation to kind of suggest there's no point protesting if you don't do it unmasked. Um, but I oh, think, yeah. and I don't, I'm not saying you came across in that way. I just want to really like nail that is like the unmasking thing is actually it's empowering because it, it allowed me to be like, I have no fear. Right. right. And I'm not hiding anything. In fact, the only people that were masked were the OSA operatives, like yeah. our friend here with the camera, which made it even more hilarious. And, right. And weird. Um, and, yeah. Well, and he was he was standing 
in the complete dark for for over an hour in one spot while we were up at the gate. And we just kept looking over and we can see his phone screen lit up. Mm. But that's it. Because this is a dark country road with no lights. Weird. And all we could see is this this light floating in the air. I'm like, oh, he's still there. It's so weird. Mm. It's weird. weird. Yeah. But we did find out that he works at Greenfields. Yeah. But again, (laughs) how stupid are Scientology? We found out he works at Greenfields because he was wearing a jacket with a big Greenfields patch on it. (laughs) Like... You got this is what I'm trying to say with like how unprepared they were. Like in the past, there would have been someone whose job it was to double check that everybody's wearing nondescript clothing or wearing seal uniform or something non-identifiable. Like there would have been someone's job who it is, whose hit is to do that. The fact that they've obviously just phoned up someone who works at Greenfields and is thus a Scientologist and said, Hey, you're OT, we need some help here, buddy. Can you come? And and he's gone, yeah, okay. And he's just been told to follow us with a camera phone. He doesn't want to be identified because he's linked to the school just down the road that they run and works with children every day. So it's going to look really bad for him to be blasted in the news as this guy that works with kids all day. And in his spare time, he follows around people with cameras, right? Tracking our move and harassing people. Like, it, it just shows that they're cl- like they're, they're what's the word Clasp, clasping grasping they're grasping grasping at straws like yeah. any little person they can ha- get to help them follow us they will they don't have enough staff <laughs> to have an Oserop follow us <laughs> well and that's and that's exactly what we're surmising from this right is as yeah. in Scientology parlance there's a lot more cope going on than organized right um, yep. yeah, they're just not, they just don't have their shit together. And, um, and poor, you know, I, I, I kept hearing Janet LeBeau's name all, all, all weekend. <laughs> I've not been familiar with this woman, but, uh, I, my heart, the grumpy people. <laughs> <are>. <laughs> get it and i'm not i am positive her life is a living hell at this point and that's scientology it's not you know it's not on you that that is that way it's on david miscavige that it's that way oh yeah we don't feel guilty about that at all no you shouldn't i mean because i knew janet when i was in london org right she was ceo osa while I was at, at London. So she was coming to London a lot because we at the time, we, when I was in the church speaking like in that time, we were trying to win religious recognition, right? We were trying to get that status to be able to perform a wedding ceremony in our London building. So Janet was at London Org a lot while I was there because she was doing visits, taking people on tours and, you know, showing the dignitaries around in order to win that landmark legal case that ended up being won. So I had a lot of contact time with her. And from day one, I just thought you're miserable. Like you are a grumpy and nasty person. Like there was nothing about her that came across that where I walked away thinking, Oh, maybe she's actually a nice person and it's just got a stressful (laughs) job. No, no. She's just nasty through and through is what I took from it. And I think that changed over this weekend because now obviously she's been promoted from Osa to now being in charge of the whole church in the UK. And I had a lot more compassion for her this weekend because you could tell she's been worn down by years of stress and being a nasty person because you have to be an Osa, right? You have to be in an element of you have to, has to be nasty as part of your job. Right. Like, you can only do that for so long if you're actually a nice person. If you are a nasty person, oh, I'm sure it's really easy. But let's be clear. You of, have to want 
to work in OSA. It's one of the qualifications yeah. to be there. So yeah. well, Jeff knows, right? I mean, you don't want to be there. You're out of there. So yeah, that happiness goes right along with all that. I think it, it was, it was visible that it had been wearing her down because yeah. she just seemed a bit deflated and a bit like kind of done with it. And historically, there are videos of her confronting protesters, you know, like face to face like this, like you need to leave the property right now. You need to leave, and, you know, TRs in and like really aggressive. And she was angry and annoyed and there was still an element of that. But when she was irate, having just been off the phone with David Miscavige and was told to leave and she wasn't there the next day. There was an element of me where I was like, she's been chucked in the lake. She's she's on the RPF. And it's not that I felt bad. I did feel bad for her, but I kind of, I was hoping that a part of me was like, maybe that's what she needed was for a protest to cause her to be put on the RPF. And that's what will make her blow. Right. right. And when she didn't show up on a Saturday, we we're like, that's hopefully we've planted that seed now she's dealt with hundreds of protests before and she's dealt with a lot of angry people calling her you know insane saying she's in a cult and all that but she's never had a protest where people are coming with a message of compassion so i was hoping that that's that's what would happen and then i saw her on sunday and again she just looked even more deflated and just like oh my god they're here again and it it wasn't an anger this time it was more of a like what am i gonna do type yeah. reaction yeah, just, so it would be very telling to see what happens with her over the next few months because she's on all the legal paperwork like if you look up the organization that is the church of scientology in the uk she is the managing director. She has the legal ability to dissolve the organization in the UK because she's the director, right? Sure. So if she's on the RPF and in trouble, her name will be swiftly removed from all of those documents. So it'll be interesting to see things like that I'm keeping an eye on over the next couple of weeks that right. you know, might indicate she's in trouble. But who knows? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Um now, we understand the RPF, I mean, just not to get all technical or whatever, but uh, the RPF is not a thing anymore. So she's going to get busted. Well, probably. Just like the Guardian's office isn't a thing anymore. Well, I'm just but saying they, they have yeah. all the same tools. I'm just saying it's not, yeah. there isn't an RPF program as such, which in some ways, by the way, makes it worse because then it's a roll your own kind of thing. And people get up to some pretty nasty stuff when they're left to their own imagination as to how to punish somebody in Scientology. At least at least with the RPF, you knew exactly what was going to happen to you. Uh, having done it, I, can, I get to say that, right? Because <laughs> I've, I've been to the worst, but uh, it can get worse than that, i.e. the whole, right? As bad as my RPF was, it ain't nothing compared to what those people went through in the whole. And that's the yeah. kind of stuff I'm talking about that Janet could end up being subjected to that's actually worse than the RPF. Mm. Uh, and very likely, you know, what's going to happen to her or people uh, at her level for this whole flap? Because things yep. that flap on COB's lines. And it was a flap of the century so far. Yeah. <laughs> at least in the UK. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a good thing. Yeah. No, I think we, I, and I think, I think we should pause and take measure of the effect that was created, you know, because it's sometimes people think a tweet, a blog article, uh, uh, a legal decision of, of minor importance really, you know, are, 
big, big, big things are like these great big deals. Oh, they're on the ropes now. Oh, we've brought David Miscavige to his knees. David Miscavige doesn't give a shit about tweets. He doesn't really care that much about minor legal decisions. And he's just he's just not paying attention for the most part. He's not sitting around watching SPTV grinding his teeth. That's not what David Miscavige does all day. But when something like this happens that directly gets in his way, that mm-hmm. is that is in his vision, right? Mm-hmm. That he can literally see in front of him. Oh, <laughs> right. Now we actually have some uh, reason to think, yeah, you guys did something significant here that 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 actually uh, that he took notice of. And, I think uh, I think one example of that, just to um, give context, is not just him screaming at Janet Laveau. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a theory. I can't back this up, but I've spoken to several other people, including Tony Ortega, who kind of agrees that this is a likely story, right? Mm-hmm. I, I show up at the coal building opening. There's 150, 200 max people there. They're getting geared up for the start of the event. There's a stage there. Now, historically, Erin Banks, who yep. is one of the spokespeople for Scientology, she opened the National Affairs Office and so on. Um, that's in, in Ireland. But if David Miscavige is on the property at St. Hill, Tom Cruise arrived by helicopter half an hour, an hour beforehand, and it's the charity concert later the ev- that evening. Would it not make sense for David Miscavige to open the coal mm. building, seeing yeah. as he's there, right? Absolutely. Now, exactly. David Miscavige did not open the coal building. Aaron Banks did. And this is what happened. There was a big cheer and a clap and a like, are we ready to like get the event started? Like, yeah, like whoever's about to host this event is about to walk up on stage. The <clears> clapping starts and I start shouting from the top of my voice and there's silence, right? And I keep shouting, I keep shouting. A couple of minutes goes by, they turn on music to try and drown me out. In between the song change, I start <laughs> shouting again. The music dies down and the clapping starts again. Are you ready to start this event? Let's go. Like they, and then Erin Bank goes, goes, Aaron Banks goes onto the stage yeah. and starts a speech to open the Quoll building. But enough time passed that my theory is the event was about to start, like they were about to walk on stage. David Miscavige, he heard the shouting and was like, I'm not doing it. Erin, you need to do it. because." And his attention was then directed to handling this protest because that's the point, you know, Janet Laveau was really angry and all these OSA people showed up and the event start. It didn't start at like three o'clock or four o'clock or whatever. It started like 10 minutes or seven minutes, whenever it was late. And the fact that the clapping was the kind of, it's about to start now. Not a like, are we all ready? Woo! You know, and they do that every few minutes to warm the crowd up. No, it was the welcome the person to the stage clap. Right. And then it didn't happen because of the shouting. My theory is David Miscavige is meant to do it. And then Aaron Banks took over. He got shoved. And for me, whether or not that's true, if it is true, just goes to show that we pissed him off. And it was a major, major flap. And there's a little bit of personal satisfaction there of like <laughs> no. kind of knowing I've annoyed David Miscavige, but ultimately it's like, that means our message is getting heard. We are sending him personally a message that 
He is not welcome. Who does he think he is? You know, swanning over to the UK and, you know, trotting around, raising some money while he's wanted in a human trafficking case and then flying back to the States on a, on a private plane. Like, who does he think he is? This is the message the locals have. And that's the message I was thinking as well at the time. You know, he needs to be aware of how many of us there are out the gates, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that are saying the abuse needs to stop. Not Scientology is bad, but the abuse needs to stop. Right. Okay. Pip, pip, cheerio. Scientology's got to go. Right. Right. Well, I, I, it's hard to say. It's hard to know. I, I would, um, I think the clincher for me knowing about Aaron Banks, uh, switch off would be to read her speech and see, uh, you know, is it a Miscavige speech or is it, is it an Aaron Banks speech? Right. I'll be curious about that. Maybe we'll find out with, uh, with the ISN magazine that comes out. Right. Um, but I have no real reason to doubt for based on what you just said there, right. In terms of delaying that, that speaking Mm -hmm. event there. Um, yeah, you caused a kerfuffle. (laughs) And like I said, it's it's speculation. Even if I'm completely wrong and Aaron was meant to do it all along and it was just delayed for another reason, uh, it, it was still definitely a major flap. The people that were watching the event heard us, you know, it was delayed slightly. Yep. They couldn't drown us out. There's, It's going to be interesting. There's no way that the microphones wouldn't pick up our shouting the entire time she was speaking. Right. So are they going to release a video? If they don't, that's an indication that we were heard. If they do release a video, I'm going to be watching it very, very closely to see if I can figure out if she was went up on the stage the following day to re-record it. Yeah, exactly. They dub it, right? Exactly. They dub over her speech. Yeah. I also want to point out something that that uh, I don't think uh, too many folks have mentioned or asked you about or talked about regarding this three-day weekend, and that is we're talking an awful lot about the impingement on the Sea Org and the staff, and we got noticed and, you know, and this kind of thing, and this is definitely one of the goals of a protest. I wanted to ask you directly, uh, what did you notice with the Scientologists, the regular folks who were there, right? Now, we know there was a lot of bigwigs there, and I'm not expecting that Tom Cummins was, you know, brought to his knees or some something. Uh, but I am wondering, right, in reaching those people, because you clearly did, and we know they're going to cognitive dissonance their way through the the thinking, but what did you see? Well, someone had a conversation with the Reverend Alfredi Johnson <laughs> on the gate for several minutes yeah. before Janet Laveau like moved him away from the gate. Like this is the sort of contact we were having. I estimated the other day, I think we're right in saying about 80% of attendees to the event on Friday mm-hmm. walked past us. Like we had face-to-face contact and interaction with about, I reckon 80% of the people that went in oh. and more people, I, there were only five or six people maybe that on the Friday were visibly angry, giving us a finger saying, fuck off, all this sort of stuff. Only about like five. I, five yeah. or six. Yeah. There was very few. There was one gentleman who didn't even, he actually didn't even like um, come close to us. They were driving, they were turning right oh, yeah. into the gate. And he was asking, um, he was saying, I'm against drugs. What do you believe in? Or something like that. It was like, do, do you support drugs? I'm against drugs. How can you support drugs? And we're like, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like slamming the outside of the of the of the door. He's yeah. in like the the back passenger seat, mm. and he's just 
pissed off. Yeah. But we got people like there was probably half a dozen people that would give us gave us the finger over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like okay. very, very genuinely, uh, because most Scientologists are good people mm-hmm. and they're not, they don't want to act like assholes if they're not being act like an asshole too. Mm-hmm. And so we weren't doing that. Mm-hmm. And they would wave and they would some guy actually gave us like the thumbs up and cheered. And that's amazing and it's like, to me. What are you doing? Right? You're, you, if they, it, when they see this, because this is all being live streamed and they're they're definitely going to watch it later or are currently watching it. You're going ethics. Yeah. Like there's no way around it. Right. Yeah. And and just things like, you know, when we were saying like we were giving people compliments, like nice dress, <laughs> you know, nice heels. You look great. What a lovely suit. You know, have a lovely time. Enjoy the event. Just keep your credit card safe. Like I think people were re- receiving of that message and probably quite taken aback because they're so used to the protesters outside the event saying you're in a cult, you know, believing aliens and Xenu. Like it was, I think they must have been a bit like, oh, okay, these are, you know, maybe what I believe about suppressive people isn't quite right because they're not coming across as one, one covert hostility. They're not like trying to get in our way. And we were actively saying, we don't have anything against your beliefs. We just want the abuse to stop. And we want you to know that there's a community of people here to support you if you choose to leave, but that's your choice. Go ahead, enjoy your evening. I hope you have a great time. Like (laughs) because of that message, I think they were a bit like, what, what? Okay. And they listened to it. Like I was able to say that little sentence more times than you would expect to more people. Yeah. Good. And I think my main message was don't give them all of your money. Mm. Like they're going to give some of their money. And I just kept yelling that out, have a good event. Don't give them all your money. Mm. And I think we can all agree that as Scientologists, as public Scientologists, you know, you're going to be asked for all of your money. Yeah. Oh yeah. There isn't one Scientologist in the world that would not agree with that statement. Yep. So, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're voracious. And it was the number one button, uh, you know, even when I was in, right. Uh, was, was constant. It was constant. It was even, I'm not coming to events because I can't stand all the regging. You know, yes. we, we had to, we had to engage in handlings on that. Right. Of, of no, no, it's not a reg. You know, is it a reg event? This is how we would, no. is it a reg event? Yeah. I don't know if I want to come. Cause if it's a reg event, no, 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 no. There's no regging. There's no regging. Yeah. You only get to get away with that lie once. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's what you told me last time, Chris. <laughs> yeah. exactly. so we had a lot of that. And like, I think jokes as well. Right. I had a number of conversations with people when the, the roads were gridlocked and these angry people were getting out of their cabs, having been waiting for ages and listening to us shouting. And I, I'd make jokes. I'd go, see, this is what happens when COB comes to town. There's massive dev T developed traffic. <laughs> on the roads, literally, and then you get regged to death. Like, is this really what you want? And kind of saying it in that jovial way, you did kind of find that funny. I was like, see, look, it, this is literal dev T. Like, there's developed traffic on the roads. There's more cars. It like, That's true. <laughs> I think that message got through to people because it was, I think, a better message than perhaps previous years. I am, I am, I, okay. And then I guess, um, I guess the, oh, there is the Captain Davy. And this guy. So this guy created the most smiles of the evening Excellent. and honestly when i was dancing him around in front of people who were parked there and they had been waiting for 45 minutes they all laughed and that sends a message and when they're looking at at cob on that podium that evening and this is all they see <laughs> no i think it's that's worth it. good i yeah. think that's good i think that was yeah. i think that was really really effective uh or useful at least productive seed planting 
uh, which yeah. is the secondary purpose of, you know, of what you're doing there. So, um, so again, good job. Any other, uh, I guess I'm going to move toward wrapping up at this point. Cause I think we've covered a lot of stuff here and I'm really happy and I don't want to overwhelm people with even more. So I guess I want to move toward wrapping up, but I wanted to ask as a final sort of thing here is, uh, is sort of, you know, we, 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 we are gauging this as success. Alex, you have, uh, you've laid out exactly how you guys did this and why and your purpose for it. So I guess I'm wondering now, um, any last things that we haven't discussed that need to be covered and or thoughts about the future? I think first off, it's, it's now that debrief post event stage, right? It's, it wasn't just about let's just put on a protest and then it's done. Right. Mm -hmm. This is, I've said a lot and I do mean it. This is the start of something big, right? This is uh, the start of a very long campaign. It's the start of a new movement. It is the start of me redirecting my entire life to focus on this entirely and exclusively. So this is me getting started. And I think it wasn't just let's put on a protest and show, you know, what we can do. Mm-hmm. It's no, how can we now keep those people who came engaged and how do we reignite more people who perhaps have come in the past or ignite new people who haven't protested before to get them geared up and ready for the next one, right? In between these times, what I'm going to work on in the immediate next few weeks is looking at the legalities and the policies and all of this stuff that the boring behind the scenes work that happens after an event, you know, I have to have a debrief with the police and with the council and talk about how it all went and, you know, make sure that the, the communication line is in, is in there for next year and make sure we're all happy with those relationships, but also looking at things like, the public right of way. They put potted plants along the road that blocked us from being where we wanted to be. And that is a violation of local planning law. They put up a sign that was like two meters high. Now you can't put up a sign that's that like large, that close to a road without planning permission, even if it's temporary. So it's all those sorts of things that now I'm working on post event of making sure the relevant authorities are aware of all of those breaches, looking at Freedom of Information Act requests, seeing if I can get a hold of the community that happened between the church and the council in the four weeks prior to the event, because that would be fascinating to see, considering I was the one that initiated it all, and I knew the result of it, but I want to know what went on behind the scenes. So that's that's the immediate aftermath that is going to be happening now. But longer term, like I said, it's the start of something. And my end goal here, you know, I helped people get into Scientology. Now I want to help people get out. If in six months time, I get one person contact me and say, hey, Alex, I saw a sign at that protest and that was the start of the process for me and I'm out. That makes the entire thing worth it for me. Like that is the thing I'm focusing on is how do I help these people who are currently in wake up and if they need help and decide they need help leaving to do that how do i do that most effectively and it's those immediate aftermath things but working on next year how can we do this more effectively and instead of just having the same group coming back every year how do we increase the number of protesters or the effectiveness of our protest or the you know how do we amplify the message that we're sending if we can't get more people whatever like how do we make it more effective next year and that planning starts today awesome yeah jeff and i will say alex that i have received an email already from somebody 
who was on the bubble in Scientology. She, she, uh, she is a European Scientologist who I, I've been in touch with. And after seeing in, in person at her, at this org, um, what Osa was actually doing to myself, who is an individual and you, who she knows and has been watching, she has already emailed me and told me that she is no longer going to church anymore. Not. She was on the bubble. She wasn't sure what she was going to do. And she has emailed me tonight and said she is never going back in again. Beautiful. So this, this is effective. Yeah. And what we did was effective. So that's one person already. I will say, though, that if Scientology wants this to end immediately, all they have to do is stop the disconnection, let people talk to their families, stop the abuse. Big time. That's it. Stop going after us. Stop going after anybody who disagrees with you. You do your own thing. Don't hurt people. This will all end. It's all you got to do. Like, why are they spending so much time trying to attack us and make our lives miserable and get in the way and stop our protests? Why don't you put that attention into looking after your own staff, right? And making, giving them proper meal. Like, that, for me, that's such a, like, a sign of, like, what we're doing is working. And again, it just fuels me to be like, we need to do more of this, right? Why are they spent their their attention is so misdirected and misguided, and it, this just amplifies their stupidity and their mistakes, yeah. right? And that just that's really I, I've not heard this before the live, so I think I just got it just, this evening before yeah, we came on. So that's just like that just shows that what we're doing is worth it, and that just makes me want to do it. Like go back tomorrow and do it again now, you know? <laughs> what exactly? Exactly. You know, it occurs to me. Um, <laughs> Like you just said, I mean, the the stupidity of this is the following, right? Is you guys are there. You're willing to communicate. Scientology is a creed that says every person has the right to communicate, to say what's on their mind, to speak their mind, right? To talk freely, think freely, write freely, their own opinions, counter, rudder, utter, you know, uh, uh, oppose those, you know, of others. You're going to make me laugh, Chris. (laughs) Okay. So that's their creed. Right. Yes. Okay. I mean, I, it, it, you know, it, it, it's the sort of thing I would create a, a protest sign around. It, it would be yeah. that, that point. Right. And the reason why is because I would want to goose one of these guys into communicating, right? Like you guys were doing. If these guys organizationally would stop being such assholes and stop being so angry all the time, which is just a reflection of Miscavige rolling it down the hill. Mm-hmm. And actually get in touch and actually communicate with us. Mm-hmm. Do you know all of this could go away so quickly? Yeah. It would it, it could be resolved so quickly with a few changes. Now, of course, they'd be rather fundamental changes to Scientology. But mm-hmm. we're not asking for the entire thing to be torn down and salt the earth where it once stood. There are things they could do that would make it non-abusive. And I don't care if Scientology exists. I don't care if somebody wants to believe in Scientology. Right. They can believe in anything they want, just like I can. It's it's the things that are done to people. Right. That that was done to me. Don't traffic people. Don't do child labor. Don't force disconnection. Exactly. Don't ruin someone's life. Like, it completely destroyed my life. My whole relationship with my whole family was gone. Yeah. yeah. For years. Now I'm getting emotional. <laughs> I get it. 
I get it. Make and us all cry, Chris. Guys, well, you know, this is what it's all about for us, you know? It's just, it's so, it would be so easy to make all of this go away if Scientology would actually practice Scientology, <laughs> which is yeah, the I mean, for I the most part, read, you know? Now, of yeah. course, we know the core of Scientology is not that. And so I'm being a little, you know, facetious here, but, um, but at the same time, you know, if these guys would just talk to us, all of this could yeah. just be different. I think this, this, this is the thing. Like, there was much more communication at this protest with Scientologists than I expected. I've been on the other side of it, right? I've been in Div 6, Division 6, public-facing division of Scientology, selling books, meeting people every day, people coming in saying, you're in a cult, you believe in Xenu, and you just put your blinkers on, you don't listen, you don't communicate. We've had people come into the org and try and film stuff, and the, the reaction is, call OSA, get Mark Pinch in the DSA, Director of Special yep. Affairs, to come down and deal with it, and just don't engage. I met John Sweeney while I was out book selling once and offered him a stress test, and and it was immediately just walk away, don't react, don't communicate, just get out of that situation. And the the fact that that wasn't the sentiment in the majority over the weekend indicates to me there has been a fundamental shift in the mindset of a lot of Scientologists, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were on the fence having not had an event in years Mm -hmm. and having not had a physical face-to-face time with David Miscavige because he's only done a couple of events over in the States in the last few years. Like a lot of people, this was a make or break event for them. I think a lot of people were probably thinking, this is your last shot. Like, come on, I'm on the fence. Impress me. And I think a lot of people weren't impressed. And I think a lot of people, because of that, were communicating with us more because they're more susceptible to hearing other opinions and listening to what we have to say, not agreeing with it, but at least hearing us out, especially when we come with the message of compassion. That, I think, indicates a huge change that we haven't seen before. And I think that is only a good sign because... It just shows that what we're doing is working. If we just showed up with Xenu and cult signs, those people on the fence, before they even get into the event, might have been that might have been all it took for them to go, yep, yeah, no, see, I'm back in. No, yeah, all these SPs are completely nasty and horrible people. And then the event just completely shut the lid. So I think that just shows what we did was important and powerful. And again, I can't harp on about this enough. It makes us want to do it more and better next time perfect on that i'm wrapping up because i think that's exactly what that's exactly make us cry again stop it (laughs) good i'm not gonna not gonna make anybody cry we're 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 gonna wrap up all right thanks guys for taking the time really appreciate it really really do um i and again major major heartfelt kudos to both of you alex especially for your organizational skills and wonderment with this thank you um jeff for showing up and really really you know grabbing some reins and and taking charge and doing some impressive work i mean both of y'all you guys did great okay um and i don't know maybe next year i can be there with you we'll figure it out i would love it all right. That'd be great. All Thanks, right, Chris. Thank you. All right. So um, folks out there, that's right. We're wrapping up a podcast. Thank you very much for coming and watching. I hope you found this entertaining, informative, and educational. 
as always. And I hope you will consider supporting the show as a result and supporting their shows. I hope you're checking them out on YouTube. That is PTS for Life and Apostate Alex. Uh, Subscribe and support them as well. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye-bye.